Greetings, brothers and sisters in Christ, and welcome to the Innocence Redeemed Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Bergman, and the title of today's show is going to be called, Am I in Your Heart? You know, there's a lot of fear out there. There seems to be a lot of confusion. There seems to be those who are not quite sure what to do or how they can be saved. And I believe that knowing what the Lord desires us to do is the first step in moving in the right direction. I have with me today my good sister in Christ, Sister Mel, and she has a YouTube channel, but she's not quite ready to reveal it just yet because she's still in the process of putting things together. And she had mentioned to me that she had been given a message or she felt God's heart as to where his body is right now. And so I asked her if she would kindly come on and share what the Lord had revealed to her as part of um, what he wants us to do. Because what he's really saying is, you know, you're not close enough to me. I want you to be close enough to me. I want you to be close to me in what comes. And I think we would all agree that that is tantamount right now with the way we see everything building up around us. And so, without further delay, welcome to the show, Sister Mel. So you were in prayer and the Lord had given you a prophetic message, or he had spoken to you. Do you want to share that with the listeners? And I'll go ahead and mute out and you can share that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do feel that this is really important to share. Um, I was actually at work and um, all of a sudden this overwhelming sense of grief and sadness came over me. So I typically try to talk to God whenever I can. So I began to seek him and speak to him. And uh, I began just feeling so, so much sadness. And to me, God was sharing his heart. So um, I began, this was not God, but I began saying this. And I felt like God was just putting this, downloading this into my spirit. And I began saying that God was ready to move in an undesirable way. And that he doesn't want to do what he is about to do, but it has to be done. And uh, God was sharing his incredibly merciful heart to me. And it grieves him that people don't treat him the way he deserves. They don't love him the way he deserves to be loved. Um, people doubt him and they use him like a tool. And God has been so merciful doing things little by little. These judgments are little by little. And he, this is how he's been showing his mercy towards us. But again, I must stress that this is something that he was sharing with me. These, these were feelings or sharing his heart. And I was just speaking them. But the stench of this wickedness is making him so sick. And... Uh, then I said, because I felt this in the spirit as well, there's going to be a lot of mourning. And then this is when my prayer language or tongues, as people call it, just started coming out. And I do interpret my own tongues. And then this is when the Lord spoke. So you'll hear some papers, you know, because I wrote it down and I want to get this correct because this is God's word and it should be shared with reverence. Okay. So it says, oh, my people, you never come together. The division is so great. That's why you're going to fall by the sword. You're all going to fall. And this goes in line with Ezekiel 1110. 
Oh, my people, my people, you don't seek me. You don't seek me enough. So many distractions and not enough seeking me. I want to hide you, but how can I if you don't seek my face? This goes in line with Psalm 91, 1 through 2. All these prophets, I send so many prophets and no one listens to my word. The time has come. No more talking. This goes in line with Ezekiel 12, 25. It weighs heavy on me. It weighs heavy on me. But these things must come to pass. That also goes in line with Isaiah 63, 10 and Ezekiel 33, 11. I want a church that's pure. My bride will not be defiled. The purification and refinement will begin. The fiery trials are beginning now. And that goes in line with Isaiah 48, 10 to 11. And I want to also put these verses down because we're in such a time when people are starting to doubt the word of God and doubt the move of the Holy Spirit. But I want to show the proof which is found in God's word. So the entire message resonates God's heart found in Isaiah chapter 1, 25 to 26. Because that verse says that his word, that Israel, because we're the new Israel, his name is on it. And God is so holy. We have to be holy. God cannot deal with profanity and defilement and something just dirty. And um, so this was the message. And he's trying to wake up certain uh, fractions of the body of Christ that want to live in denial. Um, they believe that if they just continue to think positive, that these things won't affect them. And, you know, <laughs> this is dangerous to be like that because there is something called the secret that in my personal prayer time, God has revealed that has crept into the church. And I want to explain what the philosophy of the secret is, if I may. Sure. Okay, thank you. Okay, so it's a new age philosophy of this, which is called the secret. Um, and it, the belief is that positive energy attracts positive energy. The power of positive thinking can be used to achieve anything you can. Now, to me, this can be very dangerous because that also borderline kind of goes in line with the evil do as thou wilt, right? And I understand that a lot of people are going to reference Philippians 4.8. And I want to read Philippians 4.8. And I want to describe something, the difference between Philippians 4.8 and the secret, if I may. It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good rapport, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, we're dealing with a holy God. This is for us to think of God's word, God's character, God's mercy. This has nothing to do with thinking, hey, you know, if, if I just deny it and just, you know, be positive, this is not going to happen. No. We must really read the word of God from Genesis to Revelation so we can get an understanding of what God's will is. Because unfortunately, when you are in disobedience, 
you're going to reap the consequences, right? So just willfully wishing these things away is not going to make it not come to pass. God is warning people through you, through others, through me, that the only way that we can overcome this is by seeking him and allowing him to be our, our refuge and to surrender. Guys, if we lose whatever here on earth, so what? This is not our home. Why are we fighting to hold on to something that has no value? Wouldn't you agree? I definitely agree with that. And I've talked about this many times about the indifference. And the Lord has spoken to me about it. And you, you know, you mentioned the uh, wedding. Yes. And I want to yes, read. Yes, the bride. Yes. And I want to read a word. And for new listeners, they may not have heard me um, ever share this. I published this message on March 31st, 2021. And this was a message I received one day when I was in prayer. And I'm going to go ahead and share it for those who haven't heard it yet. I desire my people be dressed in the proper garments for my wedding feast. Many of my children have chosen not to hear, not to see. They do not make time for me. They could know my way for them, but they choose not. They are too blinded by worldly pleasures to understand I am all they need. Many of my people would have so much of what I desire if they only would seek my instruction, do my will, and spend time in my presence. My son, because you have made time for me, you know my word. I am established in your heart for every time you study, it is written. And that goes, by the way, for everybody. I believe that's a word for everybody. And it definitely is, actually. You have endured so much that you already have in your heart what I desire for you and how you live. For it is me working within you and providing your direction. And that is a word for everybody, not just me. I want to be clear. It is through your faith in me, you are living my word and my ways. And that's what he wants from everyone. I would desire all of my children do this. Many of my children are looking for answers, but are not willing to submit to my refining. They can have as much of me as is desired, but they must choose. Many would have my blessing if they chose to believe my word and what it says. Those who truly desire my presence will continue to seek me, and they shall find, for I will reveal myself. I desire they be dressed in the proper attire but they have not made enough time by cutting out the distractions and making time to understand. Those who do not have on the proper attire for my wedding feast shall not enter. So that speaks right in line, really, with what you were just talking about. Right. And God is not a man that should lie. And he's not, he, there's no shadows of variations, you know, and, and he is going to use different people. You see, I didn't know that the Lord gave you that. So the Holy Spirit is moving and he is warning and warning and warning. And this is how he shows his love and his, and his mercy, because he really does not desire to have to do these things. Not that he repents because there's so many verses in the Bible that God is not a man that should repent, but like a good father, you know, he doesn't like to have to do certain things because he loves us, but it has to be done. It has to be done because he desires for everyone to, to be with him. This is how much God loves him. And this is all based on fear. I understand it, especially in the Western Hemisphere. We have been so spoiled and uh, we just take so much 
enjoyment in entertainment and the comforts. But this is why, and I hope people are starting to realize this without it having to personally affect them, although eventually it will, um, that things are happening. You know, we see fires um, in factories and in food processing plants and derailments and and water sources getting poisoned and 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 sicknesses and and it's like okay when are you going to get the clue but because it's not at the moment personally affecting them they kind of ignore it because there could be two possibilities fear that whole positive thinking like oh if i don't if i just pretend it's not going to happen to me and think positive it won't happen to me or because they're just apathetic and because of this whole American dream, American pride, like, well, we're in America. Nothing really can happen to us, but it's happening to us. It's like, when are we going to wake up and realize that, you know, the dollar, the American dollar is losing its value. Um, I mean, this should have been a wake up call when something happened three years ago that really rearranged a lot of people's lives, right? That should have been the wake-up call. And that's the reason why it seems like it's falling on deaf ears. It's because so many things are factoring it. It's the pride of life, the pride of the American life, and the fear, and this you know, new age philosophy, you've got all these things intermingled. And that's why certain uh, portions of the church, they're, they don't want to listen. And God is trying to reach them. So I just want to say, do not be in fear. And I also want to read something that the Lord gave me, Luke 12, 4 to 7. Okay. And Jesus tells us to not be afraid of them that kill the body, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but to have more fear of God that has the power to cast into hell. So whatever you may lose in this life is not worth it, as opposed to losing your soul. Sin of disobedience is a sin. Deuteronomy specifically describes the sins of disobedience. So when God tells you, hey, these things are approaching. I need you to seek me more. I need you to, to, to get into your prayer closet more. Do not disregard this. Do not write off the person that's the messenger and, and say, oh my gosh, doom and gloom. Yes, doom and gloom, prepare. You know, it, it, what, there's a chapter, and I, I forget who says that, but it's about a trumpet. You know, they used to sound the trumpet when the enemy would come. Um, in Israel, in old time Israel. And I, I think it's in the book of Amos, if I'm not mistaken. And, and God's word is like, if I sound a trumpet, will it not be heard? God is sounding the trumpet. Please, people, listen, listen to God. He wants you to be okay spiritually. God is a spirit. Those who worship him have to worship him in spirit and in truth. It doesn't matter if you lose your house. It doesn't matter if you lose your job. God just doesn't want you to lose your soul. It is too valuable. It is too valuable. Hearken to his messages. Hearken to his warnings because we don't know what he has destined for us, right? If we die as a martyr, so be it. If he protects us until the very end to help those, so be it. We need to surrender to God at this point and not pretend, oh, this can't happen if I create a little force field, a little bubble of positivity. 
No, because we don't want, if God forbid something does happen to you, we don't want you to be unpleasantly surprised and then lose faith. Because unfortunately, too many false doctrines have crept into the church about live your best life now. Um, the, G- God shows you he loves you by uh, blessing you with a new Mercedes Benz or whatever. That is not even the truth. Yes, God can bless you, but to bless others and advance the kingdom. You know, the, if we read the Gospels and if we read the New Testament, the majority of the people that believed in Jesus were living a, a vagabond life and they didn't care. Their joy was found in preaching the truth and having people saved. That was their true blessing. That was their true joy. Where have we lost this? We have been losing our salt, our flavor. We have The light is growing dimmer. Guys, I am not here to scare anyone. I come with love and concern for the church and for the lost. If God gave this to me, it's for me to put it out there so I can speak it because God really does love you. We need to stop thinking about things in a carnal manner. And we really need to get into the word and understand God's will for the church. Because like he said, the bride has to be pure. We're not pure. We have been playing the harlot. We have been cheating on God with other things. We have idols in our hearts, our families, our jobs, our um, items, our entertainment. All of these things here in America or the Western Hemisphere are considered idols. We cannot wake up and give God 10 minutes and think we're okay spiritually. We're not okay. We're not going to be okay because when things start really getting bad, you're going to lose faith because you don't want to listen to the truth. You want to listen. You want your ears tickled. You want to listen to, oh, you're going to be fine. Nothing's going to happen to you. No, please people we you know myself and brother ray and and so many others we come to you with this word because we love you we're not trying to scare you we're trying to help you prepare remember guys jesus says the kingdom of god suffereth violence but the violent take it by force whether you want to believe it or not we are in a spiritual battle the soul of america is slowly being lost We are seeing children exploited and corrupted. This is for another topic, but here's the thing. There is rumors of wars. We are seeing Matthew chapter 24 coming to pass. Right before our very eyes, earthquakes in diverse places, plagues. Now we're starting to see portions of revelation coming to pass. A week's wage for a loaf of bread. Guys, inflation. We want you to just put all of your trust in God, not a politician. Oh, I want to address that if I may. Can't, may I address that, Brother Ray? <laughs> Preach it, sister. Preach it. You are right on fire. Okay. You go for it. Oh, my goodness. In the word of God, it says, cursed is a man that trusts in another man. No man will save you. We cannot trust. And everybody's like, oh, um, what was that guy um, that Israel, what is his name? Cyrus. There is no Cyrus. There is, you know what's coming? The Antichrist, guys. This is how you're going to get deceived. 
for, for pushing and putting up these politicians and being indoctrinated and being brainwashed. And instead of reading the word and seeing the writing on the wall, unfortunately, some of you, and I pray against this, I really pray against this because I do not want any of my fellow brethren to get lost, are going to confuse the Antichrist with the savior of the world. Because you're already starting. All this Trump and DeSantis, they're just men. Why are we friends with the world? God tells us specifically not to be like that, not to put our trust in man. We are, we are in the end days. Cyrus served its purpose for that time, okay? There's no Cyrus. Superman's not coming. The only one that we need to trust is Jesus Christ. He is the king. Are we kingdom citizens or are we U.S. citizens? I mean, really, we need to ask ourselves these critical thinking questions. Like we need to start asking ourselves, okay, things are getting bad. Where do I put my hope in? A man? We have seen that men have let us down. And especially with this whole entire political arena, guys, I hate to be the bearer of bad news and bust your bubble, but they, they're all friends and they're all in cahoots, okay? They're all about the money, all of them, every single one of them. I, ha I know a lot of people are going to have cognitive dissonance, they don't want to believe, but they're all in this together, okay? Stop being, oh, this America, whatever, whatever. You know what? You should start thinking and calling yourselves kingdom citizens. Forget about this world. America's going to become a third world country pretty soon. America is becoming a hissing. She is becoming a hissing in the nostrils of other nations. Mm -hmm. But these are excellent points. Here's another question to pose. Has it worked putting your trust in man up until this point? Where have you gotten in the last three years? And then there's people still going around. There's going to be booms. There's, there's, there's these people. There's these white hats that are coming to save us. And they're going to, it's just a movie. <laughs> and it's like, it is not a movie. And there are going to be real booms soon. But they ain't going to be the way you think they are. I mean, <laughs> Here's the thing. They're already projecting. I listen to uh, alternate news media. They're not even Christian. And they're, they're starting to see the writing on the wall. Do you, I want people to hear this because a lot of times people watch movies and get distracted and they don't know what's really going on behind the scenes. They are preparing for war and they're already saying that we're going to go into war with China by 2027. And here's the thing. I don't even believe we have that no long. I think that that's going to kick off in the Pacific and they're going to enact the draft because I had a dream about that Ex and I shared it. Uh, multiple people have seen this. I'm not the only one. In many rounds, I've had him on many times. He's seen it. He's had dreams of paratroopers coming in. You know, we see the invasion. The writing's on the wall right now. No, and it is. But here's the arrogance of the people in the United States. And I wanted to, and I'm glad you gave me that segue to, to say this. Because what does the word of God say? Pride goes before destruction. And I'm so, I hate to say it, but the nation of America is very uber prideful. And even within Christianity, Christian um, you know, because we're in America. But let me tell you, because uh, there hasn't been a war fought in America for how long? Over 100 years, like 200 years. 
they don't care if there's a war as long as it's not within its borders. Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's going to happen here in America. So what are you going to do then, guys? I mean, where's your faith? Where are you going to apply your faith? Because lately I see people that they have faith in their church, their pastor, everything else, everything else but the almighty God. And this is why God, remember, God knows the heart of man. God knows us better than we know ourselves, right? So he is assessing the heart of this nation and of many other nations. And he, the pulse, let's just put it that way, the pulse of this nation, the heart of this nation, however way you want to rephrase it. And this is why these messages are coming out, because he knows what people are motivated. People are motivated with greed and their idolatrous, comfortable ways. But this is why he's slowly, and this is how God is showing his mercy, slowly stripping them because he knows that this nation, even though it boasts that it's the greatest nation, spiritually, spiritually, it's not going to be able to handle it. Let's be realistic. And that's what God is dealing with. He wants to spiritually prepare the church for the bombs going off for, you know, there's, there was a prophecy that Rachel will cry for her children. Right. And I know that happened with the slaughter of the babies, but that, you know, God's word is living. It could apply to any situation. A lot of people are going to lose their young sons. If there is a draft in this bloody battle, you know, and, we don't want anyone to lose their faith in God because a lot of people associate God's goodness, you know, God's goodness with blessing. But they don't want to associate God's judgment with goodness. We need to be refined. We need to be chastised because we are filthy. We are st- we there's so much filthiness going on and the church hasn't really stood up and spoken about it and now we have churches embracing sinful lifestyles that is disgusting we have churches borderline blaspheming the holy spirit you know that's why god said in his message the division no one is united you know in the opening message because they're divided on so many things that they shouldn't be divided on because the word of god is very clear and i think we need to also i'm sorry i think that we also need to set the difference apart here because Many will say, well, Jesus was all accepting. He accepts the sinner, okay? He dined with sinners, but he told them to change his ways, find the old way, and walk in it. He doesn't say you you can just accept me and continue to just walk and live however you want. That's not the way it works. I totally agree. And then there's that false doctrine that's been prevalent for quite some time now that, you know, once saved, always saved. How dare you? Like, I mean... Let's touch upon that, if that's okay. Well, you and you I know, were tearing it up on a right. YouTube comment about that that one day when I showed you that, and you you were as outraged as I was because I, <laughs> I I thought, are you kidding me? In this late hour, this you, is the kind of stuff. He, and he came back with some kind of response, like from Proverbs, you know, what's in the heart is what you are. And I'm like, how does that have anything to do with what I just said about a vi- being grafted out of the vine if you don't remain and abide in the Lord? Okay, so perfect example you're bringing up, and this is also. Matthew 24 coming into play because a lot of times we read, and if I may, I'm going to pull that up because it's like many Christs shall come, right? Many false prophets, many Christ. Yep. The way I interpret that is people will bear Christ's name proclaiming to be a Christian, but they're not. And that's a perfect example 
Because the word of God says in the book of Jeremiah, the heart is deceptively wicked. Who can understand it? So no, you cannot go around and willfully sin. The Bible specifically says that. We see examples of Jesus. The reason why he hung out with sinners and he explained it. It's just, this is so basic that a third grader can understand. So why are we twisting the word of God for our own selfish pleasure? But it says, the, it's not the well that need a physician, but the sick. So he's calling sinners sick. Okay, clue number one. Then it says in another part of the Bible, when, when oh, well, let me backtrack. Jesus told, I think, not only a woman caught in sin, go and sin no more, but I think in, when he healed somebody, he told them, I think it was the leper, if I'm not mistaken, he said, go get purified, go show yourself in the temple, but sin no more, right? We see several of that, sin no more. Then Paul writes, we are a new creature. The old is gone. The new has come. So how can we say that willful sin is okay? It's not. There's so many passages, so many passages that shows the contrary. You know, I mean, even Paul struggled, right? He goes, I do for what I want to do. It's hard for me to do. You know, Paul had a thorn in his side. Paul struggled with certain things, but he fought it. He fought the flesh. And then there's passages in the Bible about the fruit of this, the fruit of the spirit and this, you know, the fruit of the flesh. And if you're in avarice, if you're in fornication, you're in the flesh. Those are sins. God wants you in spirit. Again, going back to that verse, those that worship me, worship me in spirit and truth. So we cannot willfully sin. We cannot, it's, this is, yeah, salvation is a gift, but sometimes people can return the gift. Have you ever had someone buy you a gift and you didn't like it? You're like, oh, I think I'm going to exchange it for something else. When you do that, you're exchanging the gift of God, the beauty of God for the filthy rags and for the lust of this world. Let's just put it in layman's terms. And God is a God of free will. He's like, okay, if you want to exchange my salvation for the perverseness, I'm going to let you do it. I mean, God is a God of free will, so he's going to allow you to do it because God is not a dictator, right? I mean, he loves us, but he doesn't force anyone to do anything. So basically, yeah, he'll let you live. He'll let you, you know, continue your life. But then when you die, will your name be found in the Lamb's Book of Life? That's the question. I highly doubt it. Well, and I want to touch on some things you said about love. I was praying a devotional yesterday evening, and part of it was 1 John 4.18. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So, you know, we get back to why many are also afraid and turning away from the truth. Well, simply put, Reflect on your heart. Many don't walk the talk. They are fearful because though they say they have love, they lie to themselves. And worse, they lie to the Lord if they're not walking in his ways. They're misled by their own counsel. Their own heart deceives them. 
You know, you were talking about the heart. You quoted it earlier, and it's Jeremiah 17. It's actually verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, this is verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. So you were just talking about the choices, and that's part of it right there. Amen. And, you know, one of the misconceptions is you aren't saved by works. And that's true. You're not saved by works alone, but you are supposed to do works in faith and in love in as much so as to honor the Lord. Jesus said he wanted us to really love one another and to show mercy. If you have faith, you honor Jesus in all of your doings. You know, Jeremiah 17 verse 11 says, as the partridge sitteth on eggs and hatcheth them not. So he that getteth riches and not by right shall leave them in the midst of his days and at his end shall be a fool. Those, those who think that they, you know, don't need to walk in his ways. They don't walk in love. They don't really, they're not found in his ways. They're lying to themselves. And as far as giving up the things of the earth, did the Lord not say store up spiritual riches? And did he not say, seek him first and all else will be added unto you? You know, going on. Yes. Verse 12. This is still Jeremiah 17. A glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. Everyone is going to be tested in what's coming. If they say they love and really do not, they will be given a test, a true test. Because he's saying, okay, you say you love, I'll test your heart and what's coming when the sword arrives. Because up until now, you have not walked in my ways. When the event comes and a political hegemony is set against the Lord's people, it's going to then be a true test of your faith. So to put it into perspective, do you love me enough that you won't deny me is what the test will really be. If you really haven't known how to show the love, if you really haven't known how to show the mercy up until that point, you know, you say you have love in your heart. Do you have enough love in your heart not to deny Jesus? Will you stand for him? Because these are questions we need to be asking ourselves right now. And we are told to be ready at all times, at all times, because he comes like a thief in the night. The Lord comes like a thief in the night. That means there may not even be many here for the events coming. We don't know what could come. We could wake up tomorrow and America's been bombed. We don't know what's, how it's going to happen. Because when there's wars and rumors of war, that's the season we're in. That's the season we're entering if we're not in it. But I suffice to say we are in it. And, you know, this falls in line with the unconventional refining. I was. This was a message I had received, and this was on July 9th, 2021, and I've shared this before, but I'm going to read this again um, for those who may not be, have heard it or be aware of it. You know, I was feeling this sadness, and he said, the sadness you feel is indeed of me. It is great sadness for those who have refused my calling. You must tell my people that I desire them to turn from their idols and wickedness, for I desire to show mercy unto them. They must call on me. Those who refuse my calling will face an unconventional refining in the season that you have now entered. It is not my will any should suffer, but this is their choice. You were just talking about choices. My people, you must choose who you serve, for there will be recompense for rebellion. You know, Zechariah 13, verses 8 through 9. Two-thirds of the people in the land will be cut off and die, says the Lord but one-third will be left in the land, 
I will bring that group through the fire and make them pure. I will refine them like silver and purify them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, these are my people, and they will say, the Lord is our God. That will happen because many will wait until the very last minute. Sadly, it's written. So, you know, in other words, Jeremiah 6.16, thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein. And ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. That's what I was just saying. So every person hearing us speak today should hear and understand what the Lord is saying through us. He desires repentance. He desires a change. And all who call upon him must find that good way and the righteous way and to begin walking in it. And don't put it off because a day is coming soon where everything's going to change. Now, how soon is soon? I don't know. But the point is, you don't wait until the last minute to find out. And Mel, that message the Lord gave you while in prayer should serve as a very serious wake-up call. You know, we're not sitting around singing Kumbaya by the campfire because soon all things are going to be thrown into the fire. When the Lord's prophets Mm -hmm. are on the same page, it ought to tell you something. That he wants his people to find the righteous way because the time for the warnings to end are nearly here. You know, at some point he'll say, okay, that's it. Stop warning. I'm giving the rebellious ones over to their ways. For I hearken many times through my prophets and watchmen, and my people stubbornly refuse to follow me. You know, the Lord brought out that very point in Jeremiah chapter 13, where he said, they are rotten like a loincloth. You know, in other words, you don't want to bear rotten fruit by continuing to live in sin and scoff, and then you're going to be pruned out. Jesus said, quoting John 15, 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have the guilt of their sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. And, you know, Ezekiel 3, 18 through 21, when I say to the wicked, you will certainly die and you do not warn him or speak out to tell him to turn from his wicked way to save his life, that same evil man will die in his sin, but you will be responsible for his blood. However, if you warned the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness, or from his wicked way, he will die in his sin, but you have freed yourself from responsibility. And by the way, this is from the Amplified. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness, and that is right standing with God, that's backslidden, and sins, and I place an obstacle before him, he will die. Since you have not warned him, he will die in his sin, and the righteous deeds which he has done will not be remembered, but you will be responsible for his blood. However, if you have warned the righteous man not to sin, And he does not sin. You know, that means he repented because he heard the warning. He will surely live because he took warning. Also, you have freed yourself from responsibility. So, you know, in other words, those passages I just read from John 15, 22 and Ezekiel 3 lay out this very point of the warnings, especially Amos 3, 7, which says, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. And so... Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, if you're backslidden, if you know that you're not doing right, I say again to find the old way and walk in it. You know, study the scriptures of Jesus. Study what the apostles said. Study Ezekiel, Jeremiah. Because once you're told, there's going to be no excuse. And you'll remember that you were told multiple times. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And and touching upon Amos, that I 
kind of paraphrased the verse. It, it's actually Amos 3.6, the one right before the one that you just read. It says, shall a trumpet be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? Shall there be evil in the city and the Lord hath not done it? God is sounding a trumpet, right? He's trying to warn the people and they need to listen. This is not all fun and games. The arrogance, the pride of life needs to be thrown out the window. The other Jesus that has been preached, guys, you have been fed deceptive lies. Uh, I liked that you said something about sitting by a fire, kumbaya, because lately I see people, and this is what we touched upon it, like accepting of sinners and whatever. We are making Jesus into like this form of a hippie, like peace, love, dude. And what that's not how Jesus was. Jesus came to um, reconnect sinful man, fallen man, right? To a holy God. That is the entire purpose of the gospel. That is, that is love. Uh, Adam sinned. He lost his authority. He lost his connection with God because he became sinful. And Jesus came as the ultimate sacrifice to reestablish that relationship. God is not like a grandpa sitting on his throne, winking his eye and letting sin go by. This is not God. I don't know whose God that is, but that's not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is a holy God. He, he gives people time. He's long-suffering. He loves us. But there is a passage in the Bible where it says he's not going to wink his eye anymore at sin and ignorance, and enough is enough. And he's tired, and the stench and the blood of the innocent that has been spilt is beckoning out to him. And this earth, which was created in the goodness of God, this is why the Bible says the earth is going to shake like a drunk. Because it, this earth was not designed for so much impurity, so much wickedness, and so much evil. It was not designed to hold the blood of so many innocent people, right? Babies being slaughtered and, and, and just so much disgusting i mean half of the society doesn't even have a clue as to what some of their probably politicians do behind closed doors you know a lot of people climb to fame selling their souls to the devil and a lot of people are listening to secular music of nowadays claiming to be christian but they don't realize they're they're still entertaining the devil you know i remember in the 80s the satanic panic where these really true Christian people, they did not care. They were bold enough to speak against a lot of the music of that time. We don't see this now. Where, where are the people speaking out against this vile wickedness? You know, and then you see Disney stars um, going from being all pure and innocent to like worshiping Satan, you know, being half naked, parading around half naked, doing lewd and vile acts on stage. Their music is disgusting, promoting witchcraft. There's a little girl that used to be on Disney. I don't know her name. That she's now promoting witchcraft. And now Disney is promoting a show that um, deals with a young lady, 18, allegedly, that falls in love with Lucifer and has this baby. It's like, guys, come on. They are conditioning the masses to welcome in the Antichrist. And no one from the church is stepping up and complaining about these things. We need to like, we're, we have so many outlets with social media, right? 
Why aren't we sending these people emails, Disney? Why aren't we boycotting them? Why are we still watching and and uh, watching their apps, paying for their apps? Why are we still giving them our money, right? As Christians, we should be doing another wave of satanic panic, in my humble opinion. You know, I remember a, a couple of years ago, Fruit Loops came out with um on their box of cereal something about what are your pronouns. I'm like, guys, you got to stop buying this brand. Like, don't buy any more Fruit Loops. Like, boycott these people. I mean, and I know a lot of times people get discouraged, like, oh, but they have other, you know, sister companies, whatever. But if they get enough emails to stir, you know, to ruffle a feather, at least we're putting a dent in the kingdom of darkness, right? I would think, because that's what the satanic panic was all about. And all these mamas and grandmamas back then praying and a lot of people from that generation, you and I are from that generation, got saved because um, lo and behold, I wasn't raised a Christian. I don't, you know, I wasn't raised a Christian. I was raised a Catholic. I had a born again experience. I'm, I don't call myself Christian because, you know, my family was Christian. I call myself a Christian because I met the true living God, Jesus Christ. He came into my life in my darkest moment, in my darkest hour. And I thank the Lord for whomever was praying back then. I'm sure they prayed for all future generations. Now we don't do that. We see our future generations confused. They want to be a unicorn. They're a little boy. They want to be a girl. They want to be a tree. They want to be things. They want to be everything but what God has called them to be, what God has designed them to be. Because no one is standing up. No one is standing in the gap and praying about these things. No one cares enough. Like, Everyone, yeah, nobody cares. Right. No, because they, they, you're right. The apathy is disgusting. The apathetic, you know, and I understand that you have to have sanctified feelings. I get it. But I want to address that too, because this has happened to me personally. I have gone to brethren crying, whatever, and this, the stoicism was, I felt like I was dealing with a robot. There was like no compassion that exuded from this individual because I get it. They want to have their feelings sanctified, but they're wrong in the way they do it. And I will give you examples in the Bible. When Jesus, we read in the Gospels that Jesus a couple of times was moved with compassion to do certain things. We see in the Bible that Jesus even wept. He's compassionate on us right now. He's compassionate. Do we realize what we're, when we don't care, when we act that way, do we not realize that we're, we're not, you know, we're not supposed to just snub our noses and think, well, that doesn't apply to me or, well, I don't have to deal with it. So it's not my problem. You know, think of how merciful he is to us. Right. Exactly. I mean, Jesus wept, Jesus had compassion and Jesus was a man's man. You know, there, I mean, and his feelings were sanctified, but there's a difference between being stoic and being just cold hearted. There's a fine line. Uh, some people, there's a fine line and you got to, okay, you know, I mean, you have to exude compassion if you are bearing the name of Christ. And we have to really be patient with one another and not be like so self-absorbed and say to a person like, okay, because you're having a bad day. Okay. I'm done with you. You're needy. You asked too much of me, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to tell you something. I have been guilty of this, but God has convicted me. So now I'm like, okay, I will get, because that's denying oneself. When you pour into a person, because that's biblical, because it says 
you, we have to bear one another's burdens, right? Or am I wrong in quoting that? That's in the Bible. We, and then there's also a passage that says to be patient with those that are younger in the faith. So be patient with difficult people. Level. Those were in the scriptures of Paul and bear each other's burdens. I'm paraphrasing, but exactly. it's in there. Right. Right. And, and just put up with basically paraphrasing, put up with this brother and sister, because we don't want them to get discouraged to the point that they're going to go back into the world and find the, the love, which is a false love, the false light. And a lot of people have done that. Let's be realistic. A lot of people have had church hurt, you know, and they leave. They just leave the church. They leave because they experienced hurt and then they get comforted with the world. And we don't want that. That is that is wrong. We really need to, you know, put our lay our lives down, deny. That's really being, you know, it's funny because I there's people that uh, propagate that to self. I get it. You have to die to self, but that's a way of dying to self. When you put others before you, that's how you show selflessness, right? That's Jesus right. was all about sacrifice. Let me give you some examples. And, and this is why people need to really read the Bible and really, really just chew on and meditate on certain things. Because we see so many examples of how Jesus would minister to people and he didn't even eat. We see so many examples where Jesus barely slept. You know, he would go pray. He would have because before he would do, uh, you know, do his ministry, he would spend time with the father because he wanted to fill himself up. He's our example. OK, so he would go. Of course, he would have his alone time with the father and then he would go out and do his will. And then there's a passage that said something about um, did he already eat or something? And he says for my food is not one my food is to do the will of the father yeah that's uh john 434 and he barely ate he so he really showed exemplified sacrificial love even before he got on that cross guys i mean that was the greatest um demonstration of sacrificial love was what happened to him on the cross but if you really go deep and read you will see so many other examples of Jesus's sacrificial love throughout the Gospels. And here we are. We can't give 15 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour to a brother or a sister. We are so far from being like Christ. I'm sorry. And I've been guilty of it. I'm preaching to myself. And I repent. And I'm like, God, more, more of you and less of me. Whoever needs more of me, so be it. So be it. Well, you know, and being selfless, you know, John 15, starting on verse 12, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. So we have to remember, Amen. verse 16, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit. How do we bring forth fruit? We live like him. He sees himself in us. And that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. If we're acting like the world and we're not doing that, then 
does how much of himself does he see in us? And then we have to wonder. It goes back to what I quoted earlier from First John 4. Perfect love casteth out all fear. So you're fearful in what's coming? Well, you should be if you're not living right. If you're not walking in his ways. If you're not truly loving the other person so much that you're willing to even step up and speak up and talk about things. And that's what the church should be doing. Amen. No, I totally agree. And that's the thing. Uh, you know, it's so many of us have allowed opinions and false doctrines to shape our Christian walk when, you know, we should be shaped by the word of God. It's really sad. And no one's perfect. I mean, like I said, I admit and I confess my sins and I repent. You know, I have been like that. No one's perfect, like but that, we have but... to remember that we're not using that as a crutch to lean on. That's the difference. No, no, that's what that's we realize exactly we're in the wrong. Go, we but... cry out for forgiveness and we like, okay, I know I was wrong in what I did. I, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to try to do better. I, I, I want to, I'm repenting the Lord. I'm, I didn't mean to do that. Or I didn't, you know, I didn't realize I did that. Exactly. And that's the key right there. You repent and you don't do it again. Exactly. And that's, and, and the Holy Spirit, if you have, if you do believe in the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to comfort you and, and to guide you and to lead you, he will convict you of these things, you know? And I, I mean, I have felt bad and you can't, that's the whole thing. You, you know, you have to turn around and be more like Jesus Christ. This, that's the bottom line. I mean, yeah, we're human. The human side of us is going to try to flare up. Jesus showed it, you know, when he was about to get crucified. He, he was nervous. That was the flesh. But how did he defeat the flesh? He prayed. He sought the Lord. This is the bottom line of all these messages. This is the anecdote. Not willful thinking, not pretending this is not going to happen, not positive, you know, oh, I'm going to put a little force field around me and it might not even affect me. No. The way Jesus showed us to combat that fear, which is fleshly, was when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, he was sweating blood, you know, because he knew it was going to hurt him. He knew what he was going to have to face. But how did he overcome and was able to allow himself to be put on that cross, guys? He prayed. He sought the Father. That is the antidote. That is the solution. This is what God is trying to convey. You're going to go through some difficult times. My son, Jesus, went through that difficult time. Jesus, before getting crucified, Jesus was mocked and ridiculed and insulted and shunned and almost thrown off a cliff. Guys, come on. Are we better than him? Are we better than him? No. Servant is not, not greater than we his master. Exactly. And yet he overcame. How did Jesus overcome? I'm giving everybody the solution here, please. This is what God, this is God's message he's trying to convey. The only way you can overcome these things is hiding in the secret place of the most high, getting more intimate with Jesus and getting in his word because faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The word of God. Don't just get spoon fed by your pastors. Read the word for yourself. Fill yourselves up with the word. The word washes us. This is what the word of God does. The word of God 
washes us, purifies us, increases our faith. It just, it just guides us. It builds us up. And this is what we need to do. We need to get more into the word of God and also more into prayer. That's basically it. So I'm just saying, those that don't want to hear these things, please do not turn a blind eye. This is God's warning. This is him giving you the solution of how you can overcome these um, atrocities that are about to approach, approach the earth. The only way you can overcome is by being in the Lord. That's it. That's it. Amen, Sister Mel. Well said. And I wanted to thank you for being here today. Um, you know, very important message. You know, they make no time for me, nor are of me. You know, it's like we need to make sure that we're abiding in him, in his word, so that we don't lose our salt, like you were saying at the very beginning. Did you have any closing thoughts? No, I, 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 those were really my closing thoughts, but I really wanted to say thank you so much for having me. This was a privilege and uh, I'm very humbled and I, and I thank the good Lord for allowing this um, opportunity. I just want to glorify God. At the end of the day, everything is about God. He, Jesus is so good. We're so unworthy of him and yet he loves us. And uh, I just want him to increase while we de decrease. I just want to do whatever pleases him. And I just also want to remind everybody, maybe I do have a closing thought, that no matter what happens, God will never leave us nor forsake us. And also, remember, we are kingdom citizens. This life is but a vapor, okay? This world is not our home. We're, we are just sojourners here. Yes, God wants us to enjoy the time we have here, but not in a carnal way, but enjoy it by being intimate with him and having a solid, profound relationship with him. Amen. I agree. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have for you today. I really pray that this message has been a blessing to you. Sister Mel does not have her own site or channels yet. However, she is in the process of setting those up. And at a later time, perhaps when that's ready, we'll get on and share that with you. Sister Mel, thank you again for being on today. Thank you for having me. God bless everyone. Thanks for listening. Jesus bless you. Have a great week, everyone.